you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks, it's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Yes, you know it's officially thechrisvossshow.com because we hired an opera singer last week to do that part of the show that I've been doing for 15 years, and I'm just kind of tired of doing it, and I think she does it much better. Write me and let me know what you guys think. Uh, Maybe you'll miss the uh, horrible-sounding voice that I have. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just think it's funny, and you'll find it at the end of every show, too. We tag it on the end there. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll invite the opera singer to do more parts of the show. Maybe this whole maybe we should invite guests to come on, and they have to sing uh, in a operatic format, as I do, in asking the questions. And it's just like a giant opera. Uh, that or maybe it'll be like a ballet. Anyway, guys, well, thanks for coming by the show, the Chris Von Show family. The family loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law. As always, help us out on the show. We beg you. We plead you. We guilt you. We shame you. Go to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss One on TikTok. For 15 years, we've been bringing you the billionest people on the planet, the billionaires, the CEOs, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the astronauts, the people who do White House advisories, and always, you're going to learn great stories, great lessons in life, and expand your mind, and you're going to get what they call the Chris Voss Glow. Not everyone can have a Chris Voss glow. It's a special glow. And those who listen are the only ones who can experience the glow. (laughs) Tom Fox is a compliance evangelist, and he joins us today on the show. He's going to be talking to us about compliance, business, uh, regulatory stuff, all that sort of thing you need to know to keep yourself out of trouble, you know, because you don't want to get in the trouble. We've all seen that movie. Uh, Thomas R. Fox is the compliance evangelist. Uh, He is literally the guy who wrote the book on compliance with the international compliance bestseller, The Compliance Handbook, third edition, which was released by LexisNexis in May 2022. He's authored 25 other books on business leadership, compliance and ethics, and corporate governance, including the international bestsellers, uh, let's see, uh, lessons learned from compliance and ethics and best practices under the FCPA and Bribery Act, as well as his award-winning series, Fox on Compliance. He leads the social media discussion on compliance with his award-winning blog and his voice of compliance, having founded the award-winning compliance podcast network and hosting or producing multiple award-winning podcast. He's an executive leader at the C-Suite Network and the world's most trusted network of C-Suite leaders. And uh, he joins us on the show now to make sure that we're in compliance. Welcome to the show, Tom. How are you? Great, Chris. Thrilled to be here with you today. Thrilled to have you as well. Give us your .coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs and stalk you? The Compliance Podcast Network.net. I'm on LinkedIn at Thomas R. Fox, and I have a second podcast network, the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network.com. Where do you get time for all these podcasts, Tom? Time, Tom, for all these podcasts? <laughs> I work 12 to 15 hours a day, six days a week. 
holy crap and i thought i was doing a lot at four shows a day that's that's pretty freaking amazing and how many uh podcasts do you have on the compliance podcast network so there's 65 total 50 of which are mine wow that is a lot of work going on i'm tired already i might have to go take a nap uh so tom uh give us a thirty thousand overview uh, in your words of everything you do and how you do it i mean not exactly you know down to detail of how you do it just the summary if you would <laughs> so from the compliance angle, uh, I've been in this space. Uh, I'm a lawyer by professional training for about 15 years. I've been a chief compliance officer. I've been a general counsel in 2010. I went out on my own and I wanted to be the nuts and bolts guy to help companies build compliance programs. The, um, I started blogging that led to podcasting and it led to finding a compliance podcast network. Uh, it blew up during the pandemic. And since that time mm. I've been, uh, pretty much full-time podcasting. There you go. Now you have a whole array of what looks like, I think, coffee mugs on the shelves behind you. Is that correct? That's correct. Every time I start a new podcast, I commemorate it with a coffee mug. Ah, so these are all uh, your coffee mugs. There you go. Uh, so interesting. Uh, and you're, you may need to buy some more walls and shelf space there, the way you're going, if you keep it up at this pace. Um, so uh, tell us about what your journey is. How did you become a lawyer? How did you get into compliance? And uh, let's uh, also set a foundation for what we mean by compliance. What does compliance mean exactly in, in the terms of business that you use it for? Compliance is generally recognized as legal or regulatory compliance with a law or set of regulations. I started off in anti-bribery, anti-corruption. There's one U.S. law that prevents U.S. companies from engaging in bribery outside the United States called the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So mm -hmm. I started off helping companies put compliance programs in place to comply with that law. Uh, that expanded out into anti-money laundering and export control and trade sanctions, but I'm primarily known as an anti-corruption uh, specialist. Ah, anti-corruption. The uh, so, do you work with large, you know, uh, Fortune five hundred companies, or just everybody down and in between? Uh, does everybody need to be worried about being in compliance these days? Anyone who does business internationally uh, has uh. to comply with this law. So, if you're a fifty million dollar or ten million dollar company, but you sell something overseas, you have to comply with the law. If you're Walmart world's largest uh, commercial retailer, uh, you have to comply with this law. So it's a wide variety of companies, generally those doing business outside the United States as well as inside the U.S. So compliance with federal laws, regulations, trade, I suppose, the FTC, things along those lines. And the Department of Justice. Ah, the Department of Justice. We've had some people from them on uh, and some, uh, some uh, they used to be attorneys that were and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, we've we've met those people and they're pretty cool. I see we've had some FBI people on things like that. Uh, so get, tell us uh, your journey. What, what made you interested in compliance? What got you interested in becoming an attorney and kind of specializing in this field? So I became an attorney very long time ago. I went to law school, came out. I was a trial lawyer for 25 years, so I'm a recovering trial lawyer. I left that, <laughs> went into the in-house world, and uh, started off uh, with a large energy company in Houston, where I lived for 40 years. Then I um, became a general counsel at another energy company. They violated that law. I referenced the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Oh. At that point, I learned about compliance, so this was 2007. Mm -hmm. The company got sold, and I uh, my job went away. 
So uh, I was uh, at that point 50, uh, and I decided what I really wanted to do with my life was race bicycles. So I went on this great adventure of bicycle racing, 20 and 40 Ks, until one Saturday uh, after Thanksgiving in 2009, I got taken out by a Hummer on a train Oh, ride. no. That ended my cycling career. Uh, and when I uh, got enough energy to get on my walker and toddle into my office at home after a few months of uh, rehabilitation, mm-hmm. I decided I really enjoyed building compliance programs inside corporations. So oh. I decided to be the nuts and bolts guy. And at that point, I knew nothing about social media. So I had my daughter set up a Facebook account, LinkedIn account, <laughs> started with Twitter, Uh I had no work. I had no clients. And the only thing I had on my hands was time. So I started exploring social media, started blogging. I'd written, always written a lot as a lawyer. So that led uh, to um, developing clients internationally, literally out of my house way before work from home. And uh, I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't go to a meeting. I couldn't go have a dinner. I couldn't go to a conference. So I learned how to do all of that literally out of your house and that's how it all started. And I grew from there. There you go. Yeah. The the podcasting just came naturally came out of blogging. I started podcasting in 2012. There you go. It's a, it's an interesting business. It's a lot of fun. And uh, a lot of people came out of uh, COVID uh, realigning their interests and finding what their flavor is and stuff like that. Now you've, you've recruited, a whole mess of people to uh, you've recruited a whole mess of people to uh, your podcast network. How does that work? So I founded the network in 2017 In 2019, I decided I had to either get serious about it or move it to hobby status. So I quit practicing law, quit practicing compliance, bought all the cool toys, built this huge network. And at the end of the year, I'd made about $10,000. And wow. I thought, well, that was an interesting experiment. Guess I have to go back to practicing law. So uh, I started doing that again in 2019 or 2020, and then that worked till they shut the country down in March. And then what happened was, it, literally on May 15th of that year, every product provider in my space called me with the same question, which was, "How long to get access to your network?" Because almost all marketing in the compliance world was done in person, trade shows, conferences breakfast roundtables, in-person events, et cetera. And mm-hmm. no one could do that. And by that time, I had the largest social media presence in compliance. And because of the work I'd done in 2019, where I made all of that $10,000, my answer was 24 hours. It was just simply a plug and play. Give me your stuff. I'll put it up. Mm-hmm. And that uh, my little world blew up. Um, and since that time, I've focused almost exclusively on podcasting, trying to consolidate the explosion of growth I had in 2020 and see where I can take my network. All right. So uh, you, you talk about compliance as a business generator. Uh, what does that mean? And evidently um, compliance can help make your business more efficient and more profitable. So if I'm a owner of a company out there uh, and I, I really haven't delved much into compliance, tell me how this whole thing becomes a better business generator and, and uh, more efficient, more profitable, please. Sure. Unfortunately, compliance is seen as generally Dr. No inhabiting the land of no, the business of, or the department of non-business. That view is incorrect in my opinion. Properly seen compliance is a business process. 
And if it's a business process, it can be managed, it can be studied, it can be monitored, and it can be improved. So I advocate that effective compliance equates to more efficient business processes. That leads to greater ROI and greater profitability. Mm -hmm. The controls every company has in place, literally every company, uh, are financial controls, largely. How do you manage your money? How do you manage your income? How do you manage your outgo? How do you manage every expense? Well, compliance is basically financial controls. And if you put robust financial controls in place, you're always going to have a better run company. And that means you're going to be more efficient. Compliance is not there. Or uh, The best ex- analogy I can give you is you don't have brakes on a car to go fa- uh, slow. You have brakes on a car so you can go fast. Well, the same with compliance. Compliance allows you to take on more risk because it manages that risk. And if you manage the risk, you can pivot, you can turn, you can accelerate in ways your uh, competitors cannot do so. There you go. Uh, so in, in looking over some of the things, it looks like most of the podcasts that are on your on your network are uh, compliance-based. Well, they're compliance-related, but I okay. have uh, one switch that's on and off. If mm-hmm. I have an idea, I start a new podcast. I don't have a dimmer switch. I don't have a regulator or moderator. So uh, you can slice and dice compliance in any way you can think. So Star Trek wow. in compliance, sports in compliance, Star Wars in compliance, the MCU in compliance, great women in compliance, roundtables in compliance, compliance into the weeds, daily compliance, weekly compliance, Nuts and Bolts Compliance, 31 Days to a Better Compliance Program. Those are some of the shows uh, that I have. And it Sounds like my first five marriages. Lots of <laughs> compliance. <laughs> Wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, just to joke their people. Uh, so you talk about culture, and it, when you talk about culture, do you mean like compliance culture or just culture in a business? Culture in a business, the values in a business. Uh, the Department of Justice about two years ago finally started saying, you know, guys, it's really about culture. Yes, having a compliance program is important, but it's about your corporate culture. And that means what are your values? If you talk a good talk and walk a good walk, that's going to go a long way towards making sure you don't violate or your employees don't violate the law. So it all starts with the tone at the top. But culture is about the values. What are the values of your organization? Hmm. You mean we're supposed to have values and ethics and shit now? Is that like well, a you, thing? Were, you were supposed to always have those. <laughs> what? What? Note to self, get ethics and values. Uh, delegate that to Joe or Bob. Um, it's always Bob. The, uh, so, you know, these, this is uh, important. Otherwise, you end up with, I guess, like Enron or uh, FTX or some of these other companies companies there. so serious you, problem, you name the, so. Uh, the company volkswagen theranos oh yeah Theron, worldcom yeah you name it they've gone through it there you go and uh it's pretty ugly pr wise when you muck it up right it's very ugly pr wise and the thing about pr wise and the reputational damages if you violate a law like the fcpa you may pay a fine and penalty Mm-hmm. companies can deal with fines and penalties because once they know the cost, they can reserve for that cost. They can uh-huh. say, you know, whatever they have to do. But if you have reputational damage, you lose money off the top line, meaning 
your customers won't buy from you. Other businesses won't do business with you. And that's business you'll never get back. Now you can, you know, pick those customers back up. But for that period of time, that's directly off your top line. You'll never get that money back. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. The trustable nature of your business and, of course, your employees, being able to trust you, being able to trust culture. uh, It's a huge thing and being able to lay a good good foundation of culture and everything else. Um, What was the the, uh, Texas Hill Country Podcast Network? I'm not sure why that question is there, but uh, I'll ask it anyway. Sure. So I moved to the Texas Hill Country uh, part of West Texas, which is just that hill's which is very unusual for the state of Texas about a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I decided to start a local podcast where I featured people who lived in the Hill country and then some other businessmen who had started up financial services podcast because their financial advisors approached me and said, Hey, would you be interested in starting a network? Mm-hmm. And I was because I wanted to see if there was a viable economic model for a rural podcast. So I live in a town with no TV, no radio, Newspaper three days a week. Uh, uh, the radio is internet, not local. So no local news. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see, could we bring a local flavor? But more importantly, could we provide a platform for local businesses to advertise on social media locally? And could we help drive their sales? So that's what we're trying to do. We have 15 shows. We have 3,000 subscribers. We have shows about uh business uh, valuation company, uh, a fellow who helps treat diabetes through exercise, a couple of consultants. And uh, we're trying to show that it's viable in a local market. Typically a rural or a small uh, podcast network has a big anchor show and everybody else just feeds off of it. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to do that. I wanted to see, can we have social media marketing for local businesses and we've been pretty successful at it so far. We've been at it a year and we've won two podcast awards already. So uh, just having fun. There you go. Uh, I don't know where this comes out of left field. Yeah. Thanks Adam. I guess Uh, the Chris Voss show the best thing since peanut butter and jelly. I don't know. Isn't that an insult to peanut butter and jelly? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Are we going to have peanut butter and jelly sponsors? I don't even know where, you know, you got to love our audience. They're awesome. Uh, now, one of the things you talk about is how businesses change forever after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine. How does that, uh, uh, how does that work out? Is that different? We don't have to reanalyze how I do business now? Um, no, probably not. But for international businesses, it definitely changed. Mm. The, and I picked that date because it seemed to me to book in the changes that started during the pandemic. So obviously we saw um, supply chains dry up. We saw regions of the world you couldn't get your products from or you couldn't ship your products to because of COVID-19. Well, the Russian invasion of Ukraine cut off the United States from Russia and vice versa. So you couldn't do business in Russia. You couldn't sell into Russia and you couldn't get uh, materials and raw goods out of Russia, whether it be energy products, minerals, anything. And uh, the sanctions increase greatly. So sanctions became much more prevalent. Companies now had to elevate their trade sanction compliance programs as high as other programs. And they had to be much more sensitive uh, to what started during COVID-19, which was the shift in geopolitical risk 
to uh, things like supply chain, to things like money laundering, to things like export and trade control, and even ESG. You mentioned reputational risk. Well, if you're still doing business in Russia and somebody announces that to the world, there's going to be a backlash. Note to self, stop doing business in Russia and stop the international arms trading. Okay, I just want to make sure I got that got that down. I'll pass that to Bob, see if Bob can work on that. Um, the, yeah, there's, I imagine, you know, with international, uh, you know, monetary funds and banks that are locking down money, um, you know, there's there's a whole list of Russians that you can't do business with. Um, yeah. Note to self, stop doing business with Russian oligarchs and hanging out on their yachts, eh? So there's that. Um, see, you can take the flip side of that because – I believe that after the war ends, and it will end at some point, the rebuilding of Ukraine will be the largest construction project literally since the oh, end yeah. of World War II. More international money will pour into Ukraine to rebuild it. Ukraine has a terrible reputation for corruption, and all of these agencies that are going to put money in, the World Bank, the United Nations, the IMF, the United States, Western Europe, they're going to demand rigorous compliance controls. So there's going to be a great opportunity for literally U.S. bricklayers to do mm. business in Ukraine, but they're going to have to have a compliance program in place. I'm going to go there and start a podcast, the Ukraine Rebuilding Podcast. The women are they're beautiful. They're some of the most beautiful women in the world. In fact, they used to have a huge adoption surrogate uh, business over there because the women are so beautiful and and uh, and and stuff. And that all got interrupted with the Russian thing. But yeah, hopefully that would end soon. I, I, it looks like Russia's playing the long game where they're going to see who's going to become president in 2024 and do their gamble. So, you know, they're just going to do like they did in Syria and just stall for time. Uh, you know, they don't, they, they seem to be at a point where I, I don't know why the Ukrainians are pushing. They should just, they should just call it a taunt and hold on to it. But I don't know. It's not my country. It's none of my business, I guess. Uh, they can do what they want. They're fighting for their liberty, and I, I can't blame them. God bless them. Um, so uh, you talk about what businesses need to do to prepare for a coming conflict with China. Uh, we've certainly seen the uh, sword rattling. They've been doing the different things uh, that uh, their leaders have been doing. They've almost become less capitalistic or you know, slanted towards capitalism. Uh, and, and some of the freedoms they used to have, and it seems like they they're just kind of going back to the old Chinese um, socialist communist sort of style party. What do what do you see happening with the uh, uh, potential conflict with China? So everything I said about Russia, take that about ten paces further, or maybe mm -hmm. even ten x further. China mm -hmm. is the largest consumer market in the world. What are you going to do if the conflict raises to the point where China will no longer accept U.S. imports. Mm -hmm. What if your largest customer is in China? How are you going to replace that customer? I was rather stunned to find the U.S. lumber industry's number one customer is China. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a that could be a real loss to our U.S. lumber in industry. So how do you start thinking about who's going to buy your products? Well, if it's a U.S. lumber industry, and I live in a place, even my little town has a housing, housing crisis. Yeah, Why don't we right. repatriate all that lumber to the United States and build a new set of houses for people who are coming into the workforce now? Give them affordable mm -hmm. houses that they can buy the first house that our parents bought, that maybe we bought, uh, that are relatively cheap that you can afford uh, to buy. Things mm -hmm. like that. How are you going to get 
raw materials out of China, the same thing, silicon chips uh, or any anything like that. And then China has right now is using slave labor in the Uyghur region of Xinjiang, Xinjiang region with Uyghurs, the uh, oppressed ethnic minority. Uh, there's a U.S. law that prevents you from buying any goods in that region unless you show it didn't come from forced labor. So you have to worry about the forced labor. But even in, it's worse because U.S. Uh, businesses have been raided in China. Uh, U.S. business executives have been arrested in China. If you ask, someone asked me to go to China right now, I'd say, no, thank you. I'm happy to stay right here and do it virtually. The internet sucks uh, over there, so that's another. Yeah, and so there's a whole set of problems that U.S. companies and and I, when I say problems, I mean risks. How do yeah. you manage these risks? What's yeah. going to happen if there's a shooting war with Taiwan? Yeah. How bad is that going to be? What happens if yeah. they sink a U.S. aircraft carrier? That's five thousand men and women. What's the reaction of the U.S. public going to be? Hopefully, cooler heads will prevail, and hard-nosed competition is something that certainly the United States can live with. But if it moves to a shooting war, that's a whole different level. It most definitely. The The interesting thing about them is how economically we're tied together with our markets. And so you you would think that it would be hard for us to um, go to war with each other uh, in spite of all the saber rattling. But when you look at what's going on where they want Taiwan back, when you look at authoritarian rule and how they have to create crises and wars, uh, sometimes to deflect from the you know poor leadership and poor economic standards, you know the the one China policy is caught up to them. Uh, what a what an idiot thing! Like I've always wondered about that. Now you see that they're starting to turn into Japan, where they're having a generational fall off. Um, I think they have a really high unemployment rate uh, right now where uh, the new generation coming out of schools can't get work. Um, and they're all the faking of the GDP they did for 10 or 20 years, building, you know, just stupid stuff everywhere uh, is finally, it appears caught up to them and they may suffer a grand depression. And usually the way authoritarians get out of that is let's start a war. Look over there. You know, that sort of thing. And, of course, they need, like, the economy. They need to find ways to expand the economy. And going after the largest chip maker in the in the world, in Taiwan, would would uh, help corner a market. It would paralyze uh, a lot of things, too. And so I think we're trying to move away from it. So I think you're right. It's one of those things you definitely have to look at. And it, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, things are improving with China at all. Well, there's no shooting yet. So yeah. maybe... As I said, cooler heads will prevail. I certainly hope so. There you go. Sounds like my first five marriages. Uh, there's no shooting yet. Uh, so uh, how does compliance, how can compliance become more engaging? Is this something that's fun that a lot of CEOs, a lot of boardrooms, a lot of people like to talk about? Or um, is it something like to deal with? Uh, you know, I came from one of those backgrounds where ask first, uh, or uh, uh, it's, it's better to... Uh, it's better to break the rules and then and then ask for permission later. But that's probably not good when the Justice Department is involved in its states. Well, as I tell people, as a teenage boy, I certainly had the view that I would take action now and ask for forgiveness later. As a father yeah. of a teenage daughter, my views evolved oh, on that topic. Yeah. So uh, I think you can have evolution of your thinking in that. But that's why I try to tell people that properly seen compliance will not save you money, but make you money. Mm 
we've had a couple of academic studies have shown that more effective compliance allows you to not only do business more efficiently and better in high-risk areas, but it also having a the culture, and I'm going to pick up on a word you use, we didn't really discuss trust. If your uh-huh. employees trust you, if they trust management, they'll raise their hand and speak up, not to just say, oh, I saw a legal violation, do something about it. They'll pick, raise their hand and say, I think we can do this better. I think we can have a more efficient process. I think we can have a better product. And they won't be laughed at and they won't be fired and they won't be retaliated against. And if you have that kind of trust, that's going to lead to the values we talked about in terms of your overall corporate culture. That's going to improve your compliance and allow you to do business more efficiently and more effectively. There you go. Uh, so uh, you've written a lot of books on compliance and find on Amazon. There's, there's the uh, compliance handbook. Uh, anybody who wants to maybe familiarize themselves with some of your uh, print works as an author, uh, what books do you recommend? Because you've written a lot. Well, I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but I will admit my two best-selling books are children's books on compliance. Really? Yes. Uh, Being a compliance officer is awesome, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, speaking up is awesome. Uh, and those, the first book came out in December, right before Christmas, 2022, within a week, it became a bestseller on Amazon's children's books within a month. It was my number one bestselling book of all time. Go figure. Uh, so I would suggest based on the popular sales that, uh, my children's book series might be a good place to start because it's designed to explain what a compliance officer does and then why a culture of speak up, uh, about the values we talked about and employees having trust to raise their hand and speaking up are so important. Definitely. And, and uh, so if you see something, say something, is that what you mean by speaking up? Absolutely. Uh, One thing you talk about in one of your books is anti-bribery leadership. Does this mean I can't uh, grease the wheels by flipping a hundred bucks to my Vegas waiter when he gets me in the club or whatever? Well, that's domestic U.S. Remember, my law that I've been talking about applies outside the United States. Oh, yeah, they're okay. Note to self, I can still keep doing that. Yes. There you go. Well, you got to get in the club somehow, but it's probably not going to work in Ibiza because I might be, that might be trouble since it's in international waters last time I checked. So, I mean, I'm, I know that China has bribery issues. Some, some other countries do, you know, or you've got to play games with their, you know, your, how you have the company registered and owned and some companies. I, I don't know if China still does it. Does China still do a thing where you have to give part of the company over to them if you want to set up business in China? Over yes. China. You, you have, have to, to get have a Chinese partner in a joint venture, and typically the Chinese partner has 50.1%. Uh, is and where all, many American Trump companies have gotten into trouble. Yeah, and then I'm sure uh, they have access to all your IP. <laughs> And all your secrets and trademarks and stuff. Lovely. If you do business in China, they will steal your IP. You just have yeah. to accept that. The times I've done business there, we've given them two or three generations old IP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, it's been a long, you know, 15 years since I've done those sorts of deals. But yes, they will take your IP. Wow. Well, they never change. Maybe they'll, uh, Maybe it'll change someday in the future. Well, Tom, what haven't we touched on about uh, what you do and why it's good for business in the compliance field? Let me put in a plug for podcasting. If you have a business, start a podcast. 
there's no downside to starting a podcast. It will highlight you in several different areas. Number one, you'll be able to show that you're a true subject matter expert, whatever your field is. If it's plumbing, if it's bricklaying, if it's anti-corruption, if it's podcasting. If you have a podcast about podcasting, people are going to notice that. But more importantly, you can call or, or email any person. Say you want to make a sales call and I want to email you, Chris, about buying something. And I email you and I say, I have Tom Fox. I have widget one, two, three. I'd like to talk to you about it. You may or may not respond. If I email you and say, Chris, I want you to come on my podcast and talk about you. I get a hundred percent acceptance rate. And so you can develop a personal relationship with your customers, with potential customers and the power of social media Hopefully, you're going to take part of this podcast and create social media sharing assets. That's exactly yeah. what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I create uh, tweets, 60-second uh, videograms for Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, and two-minute videograms for LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. So you get incredible social media marketing engagement through a videogram, which is simply a clip of us talking on a podcast. So you have a huge social media presence that uh, most businesses, certainly small businesses, are not utilizing to the full extent they can. It's the most cost-effective way uh, to do marketing. Yeah, I know one guy who he has people on, um, he invites people on to uh, come pitch their business on his podcast. And then after he goes, how can I help you? And and uh, tries to figure out you know, a way to help people do the thing. And so it's a great handshake. And he does a lot of business over it. I mean, you're right. It really does work and stuff. So, yeah, one thing I hate to delve into psychology, but there's something about the audio format of podcast. Hmm. People listen to you and they trust you more than if you wrote something for them or sent them an email or something, uh, sent them some piece of marketing. And I can't really explain that. I just know more people come up to me as I recognize your voice. I recognize your voice. So it's a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. It's probably because I uh, did the audio uh, narration of most of those uh, OnlyFans Pornhub videos, and uh, that's probably why people recognize my voice when they when they hear me. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, people come up to me; they run up to me and they go, "The Chris Show dot com," and you're like, uh, "We need to hire an opera singer for that part." Uh, well, Thomas, it's been wonderful to have you on the show and very insightful learning how to do business better, uh, especially when you do a business from an international aspect. Uh, give us your final thoughts and pitch as we go out to the audience. How can they onboard with you? How can they do business with you, et cetera, et cetera? So I have a uh, two ways to get in touch with me on the compliancepodcastnetwork.net. I have SpeakPipe. You can leave me an audio voicemail. You can uh, connect with me in that way. I'm available on LinkedIn. I have to shout out to Podmatch because that's how I met you. Um, Alex Sanfilippo has created a great tool for people who want to be guests or who want to have guests come on their show. So uh, he's he's really found a niche that all of us have used. I would love uh, if anyone wants to come on and talk about their business. I have a ton of podcasts. I'm always looking for content. So uh, if you want to talk Star Wars, Star Trek, I don't care. Uh, I'd love to have you come on my show. And this has been a great uh, way for me to be able to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And uh, give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Uh, Compliancepodcastnetwork.net. There you go. Uh, Uh, 
Thank you very much for coming on, Tom. We've uh, learned a lot today, and uh, I, hopefully we may have encouraged a new generation of podcasters. Uh, to my audience, uh, be sure to refer to the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss1 on the Tickety Talk video over there. Uh, there's uh, four three to four new shows every weekday, folks, 10 to 15 to 20 a week. I guess there'd be 20. Uh, they just keep growing out of hand. So make sure you listen to them all. There will be a test on Saturday. And if you don't pass it, we'll make you listen the whole week all over again. <laughs> so I love guys, it. Some of you guys do that anyway. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. You wanted the best. You've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show. The preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready. Get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. I'm Oaks Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Wow, that sounded beautiful. You guys didn't know I had that good of a voice huh, when I sing. It sounds pretty normal when I normally don't do it, but then when I sing, it's that operatic uh, soprano-type voice that comes out or whatever that is. I don't know. I flunked second grade, folks. No, that's uh, actually an opera singer we hired last week to come do the soundbite for the show because I'm sick of doing it after 15 years, and I love you guys as much as possible. I love you when you come up to me and go, thegrizzvideo.com, but now you can sing it in operatic voice. And if not, I'll just ignore you, which is pretty much what I do anyway. Uh, but we love you. The Chris Voss Show is a family that loves you and doesn't judge you all the way from uh, Chris Voss Landia, the Chris Voss Studios, wherever the hell that is. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. They won't give me directions or let me know where the secret location is. But they just blindfold me and drag me here. But guys, we, uh, for 15 years, have been bringing you the smartest minds, the most brilliant people, the billionaires, the CEOs, the... Uh, inventors, the entrepreneurs, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the astronauts, the people who advise presidents, and some idiot with a little mic who's me. So uh, there's that. We do all that. We have a gentleman on the show, uh, Michael C. Hutchinson. He's a doctor. So we're going to be doing a lot of doctor. We're going to play doctor on the show. How's that sound? I don't know about that. I don't think he's in for that. I think it's in his writer. He won't. Um, he is the CEO and inventor of a device that's called Power Plus Mouth Guard. And we're going to get into it and find out maybe how it can make your life better, improve your life, or maybe someone you know. Dr. Michael Hutchinson is a practicing dentist in Traverse City, Michigan. He's been in private practice specializing in cosmetic and neuromuscular dentistry since 1987. In 2001, he was one of the first 125 dentists worldwide awarded accreditation in the Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. He is the inventor of the Power Plus mouth guard that has revolutionized mouth guard technology in the 21st century. He discovered the relationship of physiologic jaw positioning to increase athletic performance and reduce the G-force impact found in concussions. Uh, he was awarded a medical utility patent for all of North America, Canada, and Mexico in 2015. 
he didn't get Guam for some reason. I don't know why, but he's probably working on that. Uh, he continues to research. Guam's part of America, dummy. Uh, he continues to, I don't know, I just pulled it out of my ass. It was like, just it was there. He continues to research concussion safety and leading the way to help athletes play better and safer, which disappoints my 1970 Raiders uh, at all times because we love giving concuss- concussions. But that's another story. Welcome to the show, uh, Dr. Hutchison. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Appreciate it. There you go. I'm a Raiders fan. If you can't tell me, uh, I kind of miss the days where people would kind of intend to hurt each other on the field. But what are you going to do? Uh, so give us a dot com. Where can we find out about the Power Plus mouth guard on the web? You can go to powerplusmouthguard.com and you can uh, find anything that you need to know about it. And uh, you can also order one there and it'll come to you in a couple of days. There you go. And you invented this uh, out of your experience as a doctor. Give us like a 30,000 overview of what it is and kind of give us a description, if you would, for, you know, most people are going to listen to the podcast on audio. So if you give us like a, a detailed explanation of a 3D diagram that people can image in their head, that'd be great. Take a half an hour if you want. Of course. So um, <laughs> we, uh, if, you, if you look at uh, mouth guards that are out there, uh, did you ever wear a mouth guard when you were? I think in football younger? when I was in high school. And did you like it? A couple years ago, yeah. Uh, no, it was kind of annoying. It right. Was kind of like you got this thing in your mouth and you were like, I'm going to swallow this and choke on it and die. Probably not, but it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. You can't talk, you can't breathe, uh, and that's that's pretty much the state of the art of uh, historical mouth guards. In fact, they were really started in 1950 uh, by the American Dental Association because Life Magazine wrote an article about uh, Notre Dame football players breaking their teeth, so they came up with a mm-hmm. mouth guard to mm-hmm. keep them from doing that. And, and 73 years later, we still have that same mouth guard. Uh, but uh, Power Plus mouth guard is on the lower teeth, which mm-hmm. is, is the most important thing about this physiology technology. And it's uh, also important how thick it is. And uh, the main thing, though, is physiologic jaw position. Each mm-hmm. one of us have a unique personal to us physiologic job position really that's so important right and that's mm-hmm. really how uh we kind of came to be because uh again we were talking about temporal mandibular joint syndrome and in order to eradicate and cure that you ha- you must put your jaw in that physiologic job position so oh. guard came out of uh working with TMJ patients and discovering that physiologic jaw position has a, uh, a positive effect on your, on your body. Wow. You know, uh, that reminds me years ago with my mortgage company, we had a guy who had TMJ and he had some surgery done and he claimed he couldn't make his mortgage payment for six months because he was bedridden and disabled from it. And, uh, the, the loan company wouldn't buy it. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a full disability. I don't know. Is it? Um, I've had TMJ really through my life. It can be. Really? Wow. Um, Very good. I've had, well, maybe 2,000 patients over the years. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I remember back a, a patient who came in, and I asked her, uh, she, you, ju- you sh- could just tell she was in pain, constant pain, headaches, migraines, her jaw, she couldn't open wide enough to 
bite into a hamburger. She just wow. was constantly in pain. And I said, uh, in a scale of zero to 10, zero being what you think heaven would be like, and 10, uh, you want to put a gun to your head, where are you? And she said, I'm nine and a half. Holy crap. Her eyes were uh, dark, droopy. Or she looked like she was in pain all the time. And she had uh, come to find out she had uh, nine jaw surgeries by an oral surgeon oh. to correct her TMJ. And when I took the uh, panographic x-ray, I noticed that she did not have a ball and socket. She had splinters and a socket. And so that was why it was so painful. I had to send her for two more jaw surgeries to have her jaw joint replaced. There was a person in Chicago that had, uh, had the only FDA approved jaw replacement. Holy crap. And then I had to rebuild her, all of her teeth. I had to crown all of her teeth in her physiologic jaw position. Huh. And, when, and when we were all done, I asked her, now, where are you? Zero to 10. And she said, two. And I was overjoyed because, uh, you know, 11 jaw surgeries, your muscles don't even work right, you know. And yeah. you get, you, get them to a point where she was happy. She didn't look like she was, you know, just in chronic pain. And uh, so, I mean, this is what you deal with. It takes over your whole body. So is this is it is my uh, jawline from TMJ? Is this what contributes to my resting bitch face? Everyone tells me I have. That could be uh, one of the factors, <laughs> one of the diagnosing factors. You know. There you go. Uh, How many people in the in, in the uh, in the in America have TMJ? How prevalent is that? Well, there's been estimated that there's 25 million people that have migraines. Wow. And uh, migraines are kind of a catch-all phrase. Mm. Any chronic headache that that lasts a long time and, and recurring a lot, people throw in uh, migraines. There's lots of different headaches. Mm. And when your jaw is in the right position, it creates fatigue in your muscles. It creates lactic acid that uh, mm. overworks your muscles. And you have these migraines. So 95% of all migraines also have a jaw problem. So if you if you take those twenty five million, that ninety five percent, those people are going to need to have their jaw uh, put in a physiologic jaw position as well. So wow. uh, there's a there's a lot of people that have uh, TMJ. Yeah, I had it. I think it was really bad in my thirties or forties, and it would pop. I could pop it, and I'd be. You know, I just sit and pop it. Uh, I do have, uh, uh, what's the ringing in the ears thing? It's tinnitus. Tinnitus. And I have really bad in that right ear where the TMJ seems to be offset in my right side. Are those two connected at all? And Those, um, are, those are the symptoms. Uh, really? Ringing in your ear, popping and clicking, uh, oh, ting wow. tingling of the fingers, uh, neck pain, back pain shoulder pain uh it can even cause you to uh lean a different way get out of balance and cause your feet to hurt so tmj uh, tmj can thing. hurt you from the top of your head wow. to the bottom maybe, of your feet 
maybe you just solve what's always been wrong with me, at least physically. My psychologist says there's no help for me mentally, but that's a different story. That's yeah, a different I'm not doctor. that kind of doctor. I'm I mean, not I that mean. kind of doctor. <laughs> so does does this mouth guard what what does it help? It, it clearly it helps TMJ. Uh, what are some of the different applications for people out there that might be suffering from sore throat ailment that it can help them with? Well, TMJ is a 24 hour a day a malady. So mm-hmm. um, in order to diagnose and uh, treat it and correct it uh, permanently, you have to treat it 24 hours a day. So the Power Plus Mouth Guard, although you could wear it 24 hours a day, um, what you need is a, a hard plastic mouth appliance because mm-hmm. you want you want to mimic your teeth so that your brain can uh, function correctly in, in balancing out your bite uh, with proprioception and uh, pressure feedback. And so you need that hard plastic. So that we call that an orthotic. Yeah. And so, um, you know, kind of like if you need an orthotics for your feet, same thing with your jaw. If your jaw is not in the right uh, oh. position, oh, wow. then you're going you're gonna to need to, uh, let's say, correct the deficiency that you have. So, one of the main problems with TMJ is that you overclose your jaw. You're, you're biting down too far. So if you if you uh, look at yourself and grit your teeth in the mirror, normal normal jaw relationship should be uh, just a, a millimeter overlap and a millimeter space in between. But when you can't see your lower teeth, your muscles are over contracted, and uh, it's a known phenomenon that when you overwork your muscles they're going to hurt and so when you're doing that 24 hours a day it's going to hurt a lot and sometimes spin you off into a very painful episode of migraines so Mm. um but you know uh that's tmj so when you play sports you still need your your physiologic job position and you get some great benefits when you uh use physiologic job position to play sports and so you there was something i introduced in your bio too where it can help uh uh, save you from concussions and different things and hits and stuff you might take in in turns out it turns out that that physiologic job position is really important because Mm -hmm. it physiologic job position again you're going to envision the the socket and the ball of the of the jaw Mm -hmm. And when you're open too wide, it's going to roll your, your uh, ball up against the front part of your skull. And like an electric conduit, it's going to drag that G-force up to your brain. And conversely, if you're overclosed, it's going to roll it back up against the skull in the back and do the same thing. So when it's right in the center, that G-force can't jump the gap. And so it has to be dissipated away from your brain. And what we've discovered is that when you have a a blow to the head, jaw, chin, um, there's now there's a 0.2% chance of having a concussion, which is almost zero. Wow. That's pretty amazing. 18 year study so far. uh, We've had nine concussions with power plus mouth guard and 7,000 athletes. So that's 0.2% 
So that's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two is uh, when, you're, when your nerve endings go to your muscles, and, the, and it's called a synapse where they come together and direct your muscles to contract, um, there's a certain percentage, and there was a study done at, at Wayne State University, biomedical engineering, and they showed a 16.8% increase in strength immediately when your jaw goes into its physiologic jaw position. So in other words, you can uh, go to the bench press, put on your max, add 17% to it, and you can lift it uh, right away. That's what I need. Yeah. You know, that gives you you great great speaking ability. So how do you know if your jaw is in the right physio position? How do you know if you're, you're doing it right? Well, there's a measurement. So when you order your mouth, uh, powerful mouth guard, there's a, there's a little gauge and, uh, there's a target number of, uh, when you measure your gum on the top to the gum on the bottom when your teeth are clenched. And so if you, if you fall within this red box, you're, you're too far over closed, your jaws too far over closed. And so you're getting disruption to your muscle fibers. If you're in the blue box, um, you you don't have as much disruption. But if you take a bell curve of, of all the athletes, all everybody, mm-hmm. uh, the middle is uh, the measurement is 15 millimeters. So uh, what you want is uh, that relationship where you're, there's a one millimeter overlap, one millimeter over jet. In other words, the space in between there. That's a perfect bite. Mm-hmm. And so. That's the easiest way to determine if you uh, can get into physiologic job position. It's just to measure. It's called your vertical dimension. When you gum to gum, uh, the perfect number is 19. So uh, that's how you can really tell. And then, of course, if you are in a bad bite, then uh, it's, it's, uh, it's all relative. So the, the deeper your bite is, the more weak you are, the heart, the bit, the most improved uh, strength increase I ever have seen was in a guy that uh, had a really bad bite, and he uh, increased his strength by sixty-two percent. Really, sixty-two percent? Yeah, crap. That's a lot. That's that's probably the whole reason I can't lift uh, more than fifteen pounds at the gym. <laughs> Well, if you if you put yourself in a powerful mouth guard, then mm-hmm. went to the gym, you'd be able to lift, uh, you know, twenty five pounds. Wow! <laughs> now you can tell that just by looking at my jaw. Yeah, that's the cool thing is that uh, wow. I've actually worked. You've been with, doing this for a long time. I've actually worked with the teams, and uh, I can I can look at their player that they want to acquire, and I can say, no, that guy's. Uh, that guy's that guy's jaws all messed he's up. gonna he's gonna have a problem one interesting thing that i uh, <laughs> learned when i was going through the research and development is that there was a study done at uh, notre dame on some football players and way back in 1980 they uh didn't really know about physiologic job position but there was an appliance that they called a mora which stands for mandibular repositioning appliance and they found that uh three things occurred when a person wore a mora 
they had increased strength, increased stamina, wow. and less knee injuries. Now that really, wow. that really shocked me. That uh, at the time, uh, back in the in two thousand, I thought, how could a mouth guard help you have less knee injuries? What what would that have to do? But it's all about muscular balance. And when all your muscles are balanced and functioning at 100%, uh, you can take more uh, punishment. You can, uh, you're lined up, you, you function better. And uh, this is what really kind of spurred me on to say, I've got to find out more about this physiologic jaw position and, and what it can do. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Has anyone ever healed their tinnitus? Uh, tinnitus yes, uh, actually, yes, because... Thing? Because again, your ear, your ear opening is like right here by your by the the socket, mm -hmm. and the ball and the socket are right there. So when your when your joint swells up, because it's being functioning in the wrong position, it will inflame your ear and cause you to have that ringing ringing sound. So uh, I have had many cases where. Once we got it corrected, once we got them back into physiologic job position, the tinnitus or tinnitus mm -hmm. uh, disappeared. Oh, also, God. popping and clicking. It used to, I was taught in dental school that that you could never cure TMJ, uh, and that it, it was what it was. And if if it if you could get a, a bite appliance, a night guard, and it, and it helped, great. If it doesn't, there's nothing you can do, uh, and so that was a that was another factor that that got me to to pursue something different because I, that's just not how I think. I, I can't I can't be your doctor and say, "Well, I'm sorry, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know what's going on." Well, I'm you know, glad that you, kind of thing. I'm glad you're making these innovations. So I'm looking at your website, and there's several different things in your shop that people can get. It looks like there's a Power Plus mouth guard. It's kind of a normal standard one. And then there's the Power Plus Elite, the Max Professional, and the Power Plus Sleep Appliance. Tell us uh, what these different things are and what they do, please. Well, Sleep Appliance is, uh, I, I made it because, again, this, this physiologic jaw position is really important. But the thing that you need in uh, Sleep Appliance is you need to bring your jaw forward. And that's really important. So if you and I were out uh, walking down the street and you collapsed and weren't breathing and I needed to help you, what would I do? I, I wouldn't pull out a CPAP machine that I had <laughs> in a suitcase. I would, uh, I would move your jaw forward and I'd tip your head back so your, your airway would be open. And that's what you need in sleep apnea because your airway closes and you can't breathe in you stop breathing and your your brain doesn't like that so it, it uh, violently causes you to move so that you open your airway and snort and snore and make foul noises yeah because of that but if you can bring your jaw forward you can sleep normally and this is what the CPAP machine does basically with positive air it's it's a air pressurized device that actually blows open your airway uh, every time you're respirating, you know, it just blows uh -huh. air, close, blows air, close. 
so that's that's why it helps but you're tethered to this machine and Darth Vader uh, mask i like to call it right but if you just yeah if you just bring your jaw forward you can uh breathe normally so uh i thought it logical for me to to make an appliance that people can can try and use uh sometimes if you're over way overweight or other anatomical factors uh moving your jaw forward doesn't always help but uh it can and, and it cuts the cost down and it's a lot easier to put something in your pocket and fly to Paris than have to carry an extra suitcase with your CPAP wow. machine. Oh yeah. I mean, my mom has got a CPAP and, and uh, I don't know that she sleeps any better and you know, it's wearing the mask and I can't, I can't sleep that way. Now I, I, I does the, it appears to me that it, it's customized to your teeth pattern. The, all of these different ones, except for the first two. The first one is the one that I designed so that any person, any kid yeah. could order one, follow the fitting instructions, and uh, do it at home. They didn't have to have a dentist or a professional do it for them. And this, this is what it looks like. It comes in uh, this box. It has three parts to it. It has the, has the shell. It has, you can see probably uh, faintly, this little uh horseshoe shaped clear mechanism you need extra material if you if your bite is overclosed you're going to need extra material so you have to add that in and then mm. this is your measuring gauge oh. so if you just follow the instructions if you need the material you put it in you warm it up uh and you uh, take it out when it's warm you put it on your lower teeth you bring your lips together like you're going to kiss your mom and swallow five times and that's the key we don't we don't want to know where you can bite or how hard you can bite we don't want you to do that we want your autonomic or involuntary nervous system to take over mm -hmm. and swallow and you you don't control your swallowing muscles you don't even think about it you just do it mm -hmm. and so when you swallow your jaw gets positioned in all angles uh, into your physiologic job position and that's how it works once it cools down now you're always in that position when you're playing your sport uh, or doing mm -hmm. any physical activity and you always you're never out of it you're always in that physiologic job position so uh, that one uh, is something that everybody can do the other ones are, are for higher end athletes higher levels mm -hmm. they're more custom uh, they're made in a, a, a pressure machine, so it fits you perfectly. It's very uh, comfortable, very nice, and it's, it's uh, thinner. But it takes uh, more effort and time to make. The Max Pro is one that uh, I make for a, a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. That uh, It's more similar to a TMJ appliance, mm -hmm. but it, it, it is absolutely precise. I have to meet with you. I have to run you through uh, three hours of uh, diagnosis. I got to use a 3D printer to print it up and uh, wow. make it fit perfectly. But it is awesome uh, what it does for you because it can give you uh, all of your strength uh, that you have in your body and there's no blockage. Wow. This is pretty amazing stuff. I never really knew it was that big of a deal, but evidently it is. And being able to prevent 
you know, concussions. So, you know, it should be, should anybody with kids that are starting into sports and stuff uh, be picking up at least those entry level things so they can, uh, you know, keep from getting concussions at a young age? Everyone should. This is a, uh, you're, you look like you're my same age. So, 55? what are we, what are we, I'm 65. So, oh. when I got a phone call when I was 15, I didn't reach in my pocket and pull out my iPhone. I went to the, a wall and I picked up the phone it was tethered by a, a long cord and I stood there and talked with you until I was done and then I had to hang it back up uh -huh. and even better yet uh, my grandmother lived on a farm in southern Idaho and she had a party line so yeah I'd have to that. call her and then somebody else was already talking so I had to sit there and listen to them talk and wait until they were done before my grandma could pick up <laughs> So now, I mean, this is what we're talking about with mouth guards. You know, 1950s. Wow. They had this mouth guard, and it did protect you from banging your teeth together. Uh, but, I mean, they had no face mask. They had no protection. Uh, you know, and, th and this is what we have now. 2023, we have this 1950s mouth guard, and we think it's, perfect mouth guard and really uh it hurts you it makes wow. it, it it makes your jaw not in the right position so it hurts you by performance you're not as strong you're weak you get tired huh. you get want to come out of the game because you're so tired uh, it puts your jaw in a, a, a position that balances or, or sends g-forces to your brain uh so my answer is Get out of the fifties. Uh, get out of the fifties, damn it! I wasn't even born in the fifties, but I'll try. Every, every, you know, is it's just every mouth guard out there. And it doesn't matter if they're the pacifier, which is absolutely the worst mouth guard anybody could ever wear, <laughs> because it, all it is is a wafer, and uh -huh. it, it's just, it's a wafer that's made by a company, and it's all the same thickness for every person mm -hmm. and we know that every person is different every person has a different anatomy so you have this wafer that uh, yeah okay it has uh, fangs on it or you can put <laughs> diamonds on it or whatever but uh, usually you end up sitting on the bench looking at the diamonds in your in your pacifier mouth guard because you got a concussion and you can't play yeah so, that's a concussion will mess you up. Every every person. I mean, do you want to? I went to a combine and I, I took five guys uh, out of the combine and I tested one guy to do the uh, broad jump and he he jumped seven more inches. Really? With his power plus mouth guard. I took a guy and he was doing the bench press. It's two hundred fifty pounds. You do as many as you can. He uh -huh. did. He did ten more than he'd ever done. Another guy jumped uh, an inch and a half uh, higher in the in the uh, vertical jump, and uh, the last guy ran the forty two tenths faster than he had ever run it before, and that's because he's balanced. He's got sixteen point eight percent increase in strength. Who knows? He may have had twenty five percent because of his bite. Uh, mm -hmm. All these things that we don't even know, 
uh, are there as long as we get ourselves corrected. And that's really the whole crux of the matter. I got a guy, I got a guy who mows his lawn with it. He's got two acres. He likes to do it for exercise. And he says, I, I don't get tired anymore. Uh, really? My lawn, like I used to, I used to go mow my lawn and then go take a nap because I was so tired after I did it. Now I can go golfing. Well, that's my question for you. I mean, if you're like a normal person, you know, I'm, I'm, I have TMJ, but, and probably sleep apnea. I get told that a lot. Um, but you know, I don't play any heavy duty sports. I'm 55, man. I'm not, I'm not looking to get a concussion. Uh, I've already been kind of brain damage. It is. So, I mean, is this something that I would need to wear like a couple hours a day to correct or do I need to wear it 24 seven or well, we're talking about TMJ, uh, your uh -huh. bite is 20, your bite is 24 seven. So the TMJ appliance that we use to test, uh, and find your physiologic job position, you, uh, are required to wear it 24 seven, except when you eat or brush your teeth. Uh -huh. But, uh, getting back to your question. Uh, there's a lot of people who ride bikes, who mountain bike, who road bike that are our age that uh, play, you know, recreational basketball or some guys play hockey mm -hmm. uh, at the local ice rink. All of these need power plus mouth guard technology. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll play better. You'll be safer. You, I mean, you can get a concussion. You can get a concussion walking out and slipping on your on your stoop in the wintertime. Sure. You know? That doesn't mean you should, you know, have a powerful mouth guard. If you had to go out and get your paper, you better put your mouth guard in, you know. But the point is, yeah, we we're not we're not Tom Brady, but we we do stuff. We you know, we, we horse around, we we ride bikes, we you know, and uh it, it it would benefit you if you if you do those types of things play softball you know there you go and so people can order these uh off your website and the i guess just the one they've got to come visit with you the ultra pro one the max, the max pro i i have to meet with you mm -hmm. the uh, the middle one i i made it so that i can send you a kit Mm -hmm. And you can take your own molds and you send them back to me and then I can uh, fabricate it and uh, send it back to you. But the, the, uh, the important thing about that one is, is that uh, although it's not difficult, you do have to mix the molding material the right way so that you can give me the correct, accurate mold of your uh -huh. jaw. If you don't mix it right, uh, it'll come back to me and you know, I, I won't be able to use it. And I won't be able to use it because <laughs> it distorts and uh, your jaw will be distorted and it won't fit. Yeah, that so will be worse off, right? I have a video and uh, I show you how to do it. And if you if you follow the video, it's it's not difficult. You mm -hmm. can teach a monkey to do it. That's what that's what my second grade teacher told me, but I still flunk <laughs> second grade. So there's that. Well, you should have eaten more bananas then. Uh, yeah, that's probably half the problem right there. That and I was flinging my shit. Uh, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> what, when have we talked about that's important about the product you've innovated and offer people? Um, you, are you asking how much it costs or, uh, I mean, if you want to tell us how much it costs, yeah. I mean, well, you uh, can go what, on the what, website. What we covered. Yeah. Yeah. 
the, the important thing and I want people to understand is that um, this is this is a new discovery in body physiology and, and neurophysiology and it's a true body mechanism and a, and, a, and a true principle that we did not understand until uh, around the year 2000 and I'll just give you an example of, of really how I how I was energized into really kind of developing this technology and finding out exactly how it worked. Um, I had about five really debilitated patient, TMJ patients. They'd been to every doctor. Nobody could help them. And I couldn't help them with what I was taught in dental school. It was frustrating. But I so happened to uh, run across a gentleman a dentist he'd been working on uh tmj for 35 years solely doing tmj he was in seattle he went to all the dentists in seattle said i don't want your patients i don't want to do general dentistry i just want to uh improve the the treatment for tmj so send me all of your bad tmj patients and uh i'll send them back to you when i'm done with them and he would tell the patients, I won't hurt you in any way, but you got to do exactly what I say. And uh, he, he basically discovered the mechanism behind TMJ. And so I went to him. I learned from him. I came back. I cured those five people. And uh, I come from a, I come from a, uh, a physiologic family. My dad was an exercise physiologist. He was a uh sports nut and so are we and so uh our police chief and fire chief here in traverse city got on the usa team uh oh, wow. power lifting uh, power lifting and he was 65 years old so he's in the 65 and older cow category God. and he lifted uh to win the national championship for that age group he lifted 398 pounds on the bench press and of course up here in a small town they wrote an article in the paper and he said in there, I want to uh, go to Prague, where the international competition is, in six weeks, and I want to break the world record, which is 435 pounds, and I've never done that ever. I've never lifted that more than 398. And so I, being me, <laughs> I said, I can, I can get this guy. All these patients I worked with keep telling me they're stronger, so I'm going to have faith in this mechanism which i know is a true principle i just can't prove it and i'm i'm gonna call him up so i looked in the white pages and i called him up and i said i don't want you to think i'm a quack doctor or anything but i can get you your your uh, world record tonight and he's like okay and what do i gotta do i said you gotta come over here i gotta make you a quick and dirty mouth guard and then you gotta go do your workout and tell me what happens. And I, I'm going to say that you, from what I know, you can probably lift 25% more, which would put you at 480. And oh, he wow. was like, he was like all over it. So he came over, I made it, his teeth were worse than I thought they were. I, I looked him up and I saw his face and I said, Oh, his, this is, this is the perfect <laughs> specimen. So I, uh, made him a mouth guard. He went there. Sure enough. Uh, when he was done, he, he called me and left me a message I couldn't understand, but I could tell he was just so excited. He, I called him back. He said he lifted 455 pounds and quit because he thought I was going to get hurt. But he said, I could do more. I, can knew, I know I could do more. And uh, so I said, well, 
what I'd like you to do is just keep track. I know you take you, you guys keep logs of what you did each day and that kind of thing. I just like to have that for my data. And so over the next six weeks before Prague, he got up to 525. Holy he crap. went over to Prague, broke the world record at 455 and held that record for 10 years until wow. he was 75 years old. All with so, just getting your mouth in the right position. I knew that this was from that. I knew that it was a correct principle and I just needed to figure out how to, how to make it so that everybody could, could harness that on their own body. And, and that's kind of the generation of how it happened uh, over, you know, all the time that I've been doing it. There you go. Well, uh, give us your final pitch out as we go out uh, to tell people would, uh, you know, how to pick up your uh, services and your products and order them up online. You can go on to powerplusmouthguard.com and you can find all the useful information that you need. You can purchase uh, a mouth appliance for you. And uh, one thing I just really want to emphasize is if you're a parent and uh, you put your child athlete in their physiologic child position, they have a 99.8% chance of not getting a concussion. And there are 10,800 concussions that happen every day. So your child will not be one of those concussion yeah. patients. So uh, this is a new technology. It's so important. Every parent needs to know this. Most definitely. And I'm glad you, we've had you on to educate people. Now you've got me thinking about my TMJ and my tinnitus and, and other things and, and, uh, and my brain damage, but that's probably from something else. Thank you very much, Dr. Michael uh, Hutchison, from being on the show with us today. Uh, did we get your .com one last time? Let's get a plug-in for that. Powerplusmouthguard.com. There you go. And I imagine they can reach out to you if they have questions and all that good stuff as well. Absolutely. You can, uh, the, the email address is uh, powerplusmouthguard at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, I answer them all and answer every question I can. There you go. Oh, thank you very much for coming on, Doctor. Thanks, for honest, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and Chris Voss One on the Tickety Talkity. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.